Hey folks, this is Charles checking in for the 8 Black Hands crew. This was a special episode. It was live in D.C. and want to thank the National Alliance for Public Charter Schools for having us out at the Congressional Black uh, Caucus. It was it was an interesting event. And um, we got to sit down with Jalen Rose, who was amazing and is doing amazing work with young people. So shout out to Jalen Rose and the Jalen Rose Leadership Academy. Um, the ending, it ends a little abruptly just because we're like in a live venue and things are kind of moving quickly. But all in all, it was an amazing episode. Uh, make sure you all go and hit up Jalen on Twitter and let him know that you can't wait uh, for the eight black hands to come and do a live show at his school. We want to do everything we can to support him and what he is doing. And also, if you want the eight black hands in your town, uh, hit us up on Twitter and that's at eight black hands one. One more time, that's at the number eight, Black Hands One. All right, so enjoy the show, and we'll see you on the other side. We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight Black Hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Welcome back to another episode of the A Black Hands podcast. But today is pretty special. We are not in our, we're not, we, we, we're not over Zoom or doing our normal show. We're doing a live show in DC today. Um, and we got a really, really special guest. So I will, we will, we will introduce the fellas later, but y'all know who they are at this point. But we got a special guest, uh, one Jalen Rose. Um, now, as a Hoop fan, um, and all, to be fair, I'm a Kentucky fan, but definitely oh, a definitely Cal a is my guy. Def, definitely a fab a fab five dude. Uh, changed the culture. Uh, I played basketball. Um, favorite line from Jalen is that wasn't a crack house. I know what a crack house is. <laughs> um, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> so, but we got Jalen Rose with us. And Jalen, what the fellas wanted to ask you, because we know your time is limited, is we got a bit of your story. We kind of know that stuff. We know how, how, how dedicated you are to Flint and to Detroit and all that. Um, but we wanted to ask you, you chose charter schools to be the apparatus in which you made change in your community. Yes, Why sir. did you choose that governance model? And for the folks that are hating on that motto, um, what do you have to say to them? And then the fellas can jump in. I appreciate you gentlemen having me on. I'm truly humble anytime I get a chance to talk about the JRLA movement. That's the Jalen Rose Leadership Academy. It feels refreshing to get a chance to highlight some of the great work that we're doing in the city of Detroit. And it's unique that you asked me that question. It's actually the first time I've been asked that. And I founded a school in 2011. And the reason why we went the charter route is it was the best route to try to create quality schools for kids in the inner city that didn't necessarily have the option to move to a better school district. I remember going to things at Congress and a lot of people having opinions about public education and looking around the room and I'm like, wait a minute. I went to a public school, Detroit Southwestern. I'm fortunate enough to play in the NBA. So my kids go to private school. I know the difference. 
The balance for me was actually a charter school where you can implement unique programs. We have a leadership course. We have advisory. We have a summer leadership course where our students either take summer school or we get them an internship or a college experience. And we're unique, we're uniquely positioned to operate independently. It's probably the equivalent of knowing that McDonald's is a brand and it's probably a million McDonald's and you see the arches, but each of them can be independently owned and operated. And so that's kind of how we function. And that was my way to make an impact in education and stagger the enrollment. Normally schools don't do that, especially high schools. Somebody that's a former basketball player stands in a room with a bunch of educators and says, I don't want to open a school nine through 12. I want to only start with ninth graders so I can create an environment that's safe, where I don't have to have metal detectors, where kids aren't bouncing off the wall, where it's not cussing and screaming in the hallways. That's the first and foremost thing in the inner city. And then the second thing is to hold everybody accountable, the parents, the students, the staff. And if I was starting a school to have 400 kids and I was dealing with 11th graders and 12th graders that were reading at sixth and seventh grade levels, for me, coming from a sports background, that wasn't gonna get me to getting you in a position where you can be successful in college. So I wanted you to start at ninth grade, which kills the budget, but it creates an opportunity for the young people to be successful. So that's why we went the charter school route. Um, so there's a lot of folks, like I said, that have a lot to say about uh, utilizing charter schools. Um, can I say something about them? Yes, you can. <laughs> Please say something about them. We bring heat on this podcast, so I think you can we do, do that. We do too on Jalen and Jacoby. Hi, Courtney. That's my niece. She on the East Coast killing them. So those people, in a lot of ways, in my opinion, are selfish. I don't care what school the young people go to. I want them to have a quality school to go to. You can be homeschool, magnet school, public school, private school, suburban public, suburban private, inner city public, inner city private. I just felt like the students in the area code that I grew up in, the zip code that I grew up in, 48235, and unfortunately in the United States of America, the quality of your education is defined by your zip code because people dictate that, oh, in the suburbs you pay more in taxes. So therefore, you should have more resources. And the students necessarily can't do anything to change that. So I wanted to do my part to try to help flip that dynamic. Well, brother, we getting the yank for you, brother, but we appreciate you. I think you should have us come out to your school. No, let's actually, see. Y'all got just, a couple of more. We good. We, do? we got this shit. <laughs> okay. Got this. So I'm, I'm real big on school performance. How does your school rank uh, with regards to the other schools in Wayne County? I'm real big on beer since I can't grow one and yours is great. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. Oh, that's not a beer, there was uh, sorry, an amazing publication. I think it was Newsweek, um, but I don't want to get it wrong. Somebody can Google it, but they ranked us second or third in college matriculation because usually 
your your high school is invested in you nine through twelve. But once you graduate, you throw your hat in the air. They like see you later. They're off you. Was your high school off of you when you left? Did they give you support? It was off of me while I was in there. (laughs) Did they help raise you? Did they help raise you money while you were in college? Did they give you support? Absolutely. Did your high school send people to your campus to support you if you went to college? No, they kicked me out. So that's what we do. So that's what makes us different. So when I say nine through 16 model, that goes over a lot of people's heads. But we're operating on an inner city underfunded budget. But yet we have a college success team that manages our young people while they're in high school and while they're in college. So that's why it makes fundraising and awareness like this very paramount for what we're trying to do. You mentioned you said a bad word. You said accountability. Mm. That's a bad word in a lot of educational spaces, particularly when you're talking about the adults. Can you talk more about that? Like, why is that so important? Why is that like a absolute fundamental right of students that the adults who are getting paid to be in front of them are accountable for the outcomes? Um, A couple of dynamics that play with that one. And this reminds me of the podcast, Jalen and Jacoby. This is the don't get fired topic. The first one is... The, stu- the, the teacher's union. I, you mean the one that's pro-black, pro-kid, pro-black student, No, the one that you community? can get tenured after two or three years and keep a job forever if you chose uh, to put your feet up on the desk and your outcomes don't matter. Right. You sound like right. Chris Stewart right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> on my magic right now. Right? All right. In a, a charter school dynamic, it rep- represents a real-world scenario if you're performing well at your job then you get accolades you could keep your job for a long time you could possibly get a raise in a public school dynamic it it becomes irrelevant for the adults in the room to be accountable for the success of the young people the other thing for the adults is a belief in the young people that can that can change the world. I remember so many times being an athlete, a responsible student, and like, yo, I'm about to make, I'm I'm gonna make the honor roll. People be dying laughing, like it was the like I was Eddie Murphy and Raw, like it was like hilarious, like I'm going to the league, like. The funniest thing ever. Eddie Murphy used to do stand-up, young boy. First off, Eddie Murphy is the GOAT. I know these things. Just because you 97 and a half, don't don't try to play me. Go ahead, brother. So it's hard hard to achieve your goals when the people that you're constantly influenced by don't believe in them. That, That becomes discouraging. And the third thing... In a public school dynamic, for those that haven't been paying attention, there are statistics that say in 20 years, public schools will not have sports or extracurricular activities because they don't have the funding. Not have sports. Not have sports. This past Saturday, what was people doing? Watching college football. Well, Sunday, what were they doing? Watching NFL football. This is one of the hooks to get young people to actually come to school. It was the hook that got me to come to school. I was on the basketball team. My teacher not going to call me and be like, where you at? But my coach is. 
My counselor is. So those are the three things that I hope adults that get a chance to influence young people show a level of patience and a show a level of discipline and putting them in position to be successful. Chris, he has to go. You have a final question? Yeah, so we don't want people coming in just thinking that this is easy, though. Oh, it's not easy. I'm always wondering why there's not more people like you who step up and start schools, but what's been the hardest thing to do? Hardest thing to do for me is I'm not a multi-time all-star. I'm not in the Hall of Fame. I didn't win a lot of championships, so I don't have somebody standing behind me with a blank check after I sent a couple of emails saying I wanted to do something. You look at my ribbon cutting ceremony, it was just me. There was no sponsors. I was trying to figure what shoes is the basketball team gonna wear? How am I gonna get uniforms for the kids that can't afford them? Initially, we started off with our students wearing blazers. And then I realized in an inner city dynamic, that we should probably have them wear polos. So the number one thing is funding. We're open enrollment, tuition free, public charter. And you know how much money we get for our facility? I remember you talking about this. Zero. Right. Anybody in here, you ask them like, what's your two highest bills every month? They'd be like, my house and my car. So if they're not giving you any money for your facility, they're not encouraging you to do it. So fundraising, and lastly, I'm not like busting my arm to pat myself on the back. It's just the work that happened. I'm the founder of the school. The founder, which means I recruit the board. I work with Central Michigan University for a year to hope we get authorized. I work to recruit students. I talk to parents. I'm the fundraiser for the school. So I'm on the emails about discipline and about what's next. Each week, I'm talking to the staff. Wait a second. Each- so somebody is emailing Jalen Rose about a discipline issue? I know every One of my students is here. You can ask him. Initially, when you open the school, I walk down the hall at first. It was like, that's Jalen Rose. Now I was like, nigga, Mr. Rose. (laughs) It's it's not, they they don't care about that ESPN. They don't care about the NBA. They like, they go to founder of the school. And so having that, that much responsibility gave me a level of autonomy that I need to be responsible with it, but also try to be a terrific leader. They're going to beat us up about his time, but man, we appreciate you. Here's a book that I just published. You get to read this it. Love. Yeah, it wasn't free, though. I paid for it for you, brother. Um, <laughs> it, 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 nothing's right, free. Right, uh, right. Oh, there's there's a bunch for sale if y'all want to buy them. I like but, those uh, goals. I was just saying yesterday that I'm going to get one bro. or two on the bottom. Jalen, Oakland, brother. Stop. Oakland, brother. Oakland? Oakland, brother. So you know we cousins. Oakland, brother. You know I, and and, I, was, and I was born in Chicago. So You know this, yeah, man. My mom's from Kalamazoo. So KML Summer Jam in early 90s. Standing on stage with Hammer and Short. See, this is why they had me handle the interview right. part with Mark you because I, I, I know brother. these things. Oh, Look at their faces. Water. You see all this hating over there? Yes, brother. Oh man. E40, the you one of the most disrespected MCs of all time. Yeah. So I'm, they need us to pull you, but uh we love to actually come to your school, man, and actually do this there. So you got that. Your man's got my card. 
But uh, let's 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 get you there, man. Right. Let's open, get us there. Thanks for being o- here. Appreciate open it. enrollment. I mean, open opportunity to visit the school because if you guys come to the school, y'all gonna drive down the street and be like, we in the hood, right? But then y'all gonna get to the school. Kids ain't bouncing off the wall. No graffiti on the building. No metal detector. No five police cars outside. And I'm standing out there waving at the parents. Good morning. Hey, you ain't gonna thank your mother for dropping you off? My mother ain't never took me to school. Like, it becomes a labor of love. So, that would hey, be welcome congratulations. Congrats on the show. Congrats on, you, the, on the wedding, the marriage. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, I'm an adult hey. now. Yes. <laughs> Do your thing, bro. Yes, sir. Appreciate right. you. Uh, one more time for Jalen Rose, please. Thank y'all. Look, these people were hot at us, baby. We told him. We got him on time. He said he, said he run this, damn it. Um, so, Ray... Fellas, before we jump into the topic that, that 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 you put together for us, Ray, which I'm really excited to talk about, uh, what's our reaction to what uh, Mr. Rose had to say about his school, the struggles, and just how he just showed up with us today? So, so first and foremost, I want to distance myself away from you because, like, yo, you were in real groupie mode just now, and I feel like was you, knew, you knew way too much about this guy's personal. I play ball. I play who? That's that's still yo. That's still a jury is still out on that. I've never. <laughs> seen, I saw the, the the video that you sent me with you shooting jumpers in the gym. You wasn't shooting jumpers in the gym. What are you? T- so, what's your thoughts, brother? Do you have any <laughs> other than salting? So my thoughts are that Salt Ray, that's his no, new name. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Not so, Salt Bay, so, Salt Ray. So my thoughts are that, yo, I think it's amazing what this brother is doing. Um, he's exactly right. You know, when you think about LeBron school and you think about the things that are behind LeBron school, right? And then you think about how hands-on he is with his school. Like I don't hear about LeBron being at school every day and waving to the parents or like any of these other things and whatnot. Not to compare the two because both are doing amazing things. But I just think that for him to be a former collegiate and pro athlete on and have this national venue to be able to show people that, hey, our kids can learn. I'm just super excited about that. And I really want to take him up on coming to visit his school. That would yeah. be dope. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing I appreciate about it is, you know, I, we talk a lot about education and schools being activism. Right. And so, like, you see more athletes now being activists. But the moment he decided to open up a school, he was an activist. Right. And so a lot of times that doesn't the protests get, in, you know, the public protests get the attention. But working in the school, opening the school, that is protest. The fact that he said, you know what, the students deserve better. I am going to put myself in this position to provide them with better, support them with better, help the community um, demand better. Like that's that's the purest form of activism. And I, I wish more people and we say it all the time. We need more black people to take ownership of the situation that's happening. Be vanguards for our students and our communities and open up schools, lead classrooms, lead schools. That's what we need. And so it's great to see brothers like him, you know, putting their money where their mouth is and acknowledging the experience I had. I want something better. The same way that these communities do, but not not just not just as money as time, right? Yeah. And Chris, I saw you vibing, man. So I feel like he was speaking. He said a few key things, like sequentially, and like and just hit the right chords. And I didn't. I've never seen Chris actually genuinely get happy in my life. So, Chris, what was <laughs> was he a cranky old man? Like, I, you know, I don't. Not, not to pump Ray's new show, a grumpy old man, which is coming, but. Uh, but Chris, what was your what were your thoughts when you was listening to him talk? 
So, see, I didn't hear him answer the question about the haters. Got you. Right? Like, he touched on it with one group. Yeah. But this is the thing that's interesting about him is he's the first in some ways. Right. right, To step out there, put his life on the line, open a school, run a school. And I don't think he got the kind of accolades. You just mentioned LeBron. Mm -hmm. I don't think he got the press that LeBron got. Right. And the love and all of that type of stuff. Right. Um, But he's been doing it every day. Right. Uh, I did not know that he shows up to a school every day. That he's actually the one doing it all. That he's not doing it with the endorsements right. behind. That just makes it even more dope. Right. Right. And I don't know if he's there every day, but I know he's there a lot. Yeah. Because he, you know, the schedule, whatever. See, see the, the, the I'm stand, just letting you. The stand brother, knows the schedule. Right? The, first off, like, it's not like, a stand. First right, off, right, right, the stand knows the schedule. You are a stand, First bro. off, we have somebody from the Fab Five right next to us that changed culture. Black Sox, y'all, y'all, y'all t- for, you, you disrespectful right now. You, dis- you disrespectful right now. All I'm saying, before I cared about education, I've loved basketball my whole life. I'm new to the Ed game compared to that. I'm just saying, they changed culture. Now, I know they still mad at Chris Webber for calling timeout, but, because they never won that championship. But I'm just telling you. Charles Stan Cole, Dr. Charles Stan Cole. I'll take it. I'm I am to- I am okay with who I am. So, but uh, but now, nah, but we appreciate Jalen for coming on, and we'd love to go to his uh to a school, do a show there, walk the halls. Yeah, and I think your son should actually come and do the video for it. I think we could be really dope with that. So, um, Ray is hosting though, and uh, I'm excited for this. Yeah. And as Chris turned his whole body away from you when I said that. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Listen, man. Ray, you so, is capable. So, you is kind. <laughs> hey, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate all the plugs. You know, I, you know, you know what I'm here for, man. You, you, know, what I'm, you know what I'm here for. All right, so fellas, how y'all doing? We doing good, well. man. We good. Right. good brief, to be here. Good brief, to be what's here. going on? What's new? Not much. You know, we are uh, in Philly. We launched the national, uh, the Center for Black Educator Development. Really hype about that. I'm, you know, we're here with you all, but our, our team just started their professional development and coaching this week. Yeah. And so to bring teachers together, really focus on the art and science of teaching. Right. I'm excited about that. You know, we did the Freedom Schools last summer. Yes, I mean, this past summer, um, which was just really dope. Having 40 black high school and co- black and Latino high school and college students teaching first, second and third grade students was beautiful, man. It was like just emotional to see them take charge and and understand that, you know what, I'm responsible for my community and I'm going to jump in. And so to be able to do this through the professional development coaching um, line is uh, it's been fantastic. I, I love it. I love being That's an educator, up. man. Reef, you're getting really good at this because that was my follow up question. Freedom Schools, Reef Plug. And then we were talking about the center for good-looking kids that wear gray. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, no, no doubt. That's what's Don't up. get it twisted. Yeah. So Charles, what's going on, baby? What's new? Uh, last week released a book, which I'm really excited about, Beyond Grit and Resilience, and I think it just really chronicles uh, what our kids go through, the kids that we're supposed to be fighting for, the kids that you know, as we're here at the Congressional Black Caucus, and it's all kind of turmoil and and all this stuff, and people say they love kids. Uh, that book really chronicles the stories of those kids and what's possible um we and then i'm also just excited about the other podcasts we have in the network so you know i know we've been getting some messages about it's all men it's all this it's all that y'all sexist yeah it's all good you know what i'm saying so we got we but we do have a latino pa- uh, 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 podcast called the epw podcast and we are working on something very special i would not tell you the guests but we have a black women's 
podcast coming very soon to handle and tackle these issues in only the way that they can. So we just been working really hard, man. I'm just really excited about it. And I'm happy to see y'all. Definitely. Chris, what you got going on, bro? I feel like when people hear this podcast, it's going to sound like we in the bathroom at a club. <laughs> I feel like it's gonna sound like we we all up in a stall, you know, in a in a club somewhere. Isn't that? No. So this is what's up with me. Yeah. I think I told you earlier. This is probably my 27th year of doing back to school with my own kids. So when I sent my kids off to school this year, it was the 27th year that I've been doing that, and I'm, I got it down to a science, right? And uh, I do a little victory dance once they're gone, right? Like, <laughs> like once they're out, I make myself some coffee and I sit down. But little as it's told, as I'm happy that they're going off to school, a little bit sad that they're going off to school, it is a time, even though I'm in this work and I talk about it all the time, I worry every single year on that first day. Is this going to be a good year? Uh, are they going to learn anything? Are they going to advance? Right. So that's what's up with me. We in the first week of it, we've already had two incidences. Not bad. Just some stuff coming up already in the first week. Did you get a positive phone call? Did not get a po- well. See, I never get the phone calls, right? Did Miss Christie get a positive phone call? Shout out to Miss no. Christie. As a matter of fact, I think she didn't get a call back mm, oh. from teachers that she's been trying to get. A couple of days in a row. So, yeah. you know, I say this, though, and I and just to, you know, and then we can jump into that topic, too. Can you all hear me uh, just so we can jump into this topic, too? Like educators, like it's so easy to start the year off on the right foot, especially if you're not in middle school and high school because you only got one set of students like call home, like pick five people to call until you get through the whole list and just say, look. I'm excited to have your kid in my class. This is what I see in your kid, and I'm looking forward to partnering with you throughout the year. That's it. Bro. You can you can drink, you can have a wine with you, you can whatever you need to do. You can pause the football game on Monday night and do it and knock it out and be done. But it's how how would how would you feel if the year started off that way? You know what I'm saying? And then you know what I'm saying? Like it's so easy. It makes it so easier to get that second call, like, hey, your kid, your, chin, your kid is bump, uh, bouncing off the walls or whatever, because now I know you don't hate my kid, right? Right? You found something good to say about my kid, so therefore now I can partner with you, and it's a true partnership now, because I don't feel like you're attacking me or you're attacking my parents. And that's easy to do. Like, that's that, that requires very little brain power. <laughs> Just open up your heart, <laughs> dial the phone, yeah. and uh, start to start start off right. You ain't gotta do them all in one night, but I know that we at we we in DC. Yeah, for man, we at, we at congressional so, black so, caucus, so man. You, so we gotta we gotta, want to we, bring gotta the politi- ruckus. we gotta politicize this, man. So you want to bring the ruckus? Yeah. So bring the ruckus, host. All right. So so Reef, question to you, sir. How would uh, bipartisan efforts to educate black and brown kids? What would that look like, man? No Democrat, no Republican, no Libertarian, no Independent. We just want to educate these black kids. How are we going to do it? <laughs> I mean, one, looking at children as the human beings that they are, recognizing that, you know what? Like, even if, even if you don't dig kids, some people don't dig kids at all, but they dig the economy. Like, I hear people, they're not, they're not really into kids, but they're into, like, we want this state to be the economic engine of the country and all of that. Even if you just, even if you had that kind of, like, just very myopic view of the world, but you say, you know what? The best way for this state, this city, this town, this country to be, you know, 
prosperous economically was ensure that all of the citizens were highly educated, highly effective. They said that the the educated right now the dropout rate, the push out rate, is so high. Like if that would decrease by you know the graduation increased by 10, 20 percent it would be astronomical to the economic development of the country, right? It would be more contributors. It'd be more people who, who felt safe, who felt like they were, everyone's talking about, oh, this is for productive citizenry. You can't do that without a quality education, right? So even if it was just, all you did was think about economics, education is the best way for your city, state, town, and country to become this economic powerhouse or whatever it is that you envision for the country, right? It's that education piece. But, you know, people forget about that. They just want things that happen magically, and they want to marginalize. Let me pass it over to the Libertarian. How you feel, sir? <laughs> Why are you going to call me out like that? <laughs> I mean, it ain't like you can't call them right back out. I was about to say, because you're a Republican, <laughs> right? And there's like one of those in the Congressional Black Caucus. That's right? a fact. It's just one. <laughs> and in fact, I don't even know if he's in it anymore. Um, I just want to be real about this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was here a couple years ago for the Congressional Black Caucus for the first time. I didn't know what it was. So I came, you know, I, I was expecting it to be something different than it actually was. And I, got I think it's a party. It is a party. It's like Freaknet for politics. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> that's the title of the show. That, that, you know? CBC, Freaknet for politicians. I, that's what I first said. I said, like, this is Freaknet for politics. This is Freaknet for people who got jobs. Um, <laughs> so... This is the thing. I came, I went through all of the sessions that were about education. Right. Yeah. Every single one of those sessions was sponsored by the AFT. In one of the sessions, Randy Reingarter walked in, took a seat on the stage without even being asked, and joined the panel. Wow. He wasn't even supposed to be on the panel. That like a boss move to me. And she, then they she said, said she's sponsoring it, she's doing it. She paid $350,000 for that chair. So then she sat down and she said, no, no, she sat down and the moderator said, let's all stop for a second and acknowledge our sister Randy. Right? Our sister Randy? Our sister. No, not our sister. Our sister Randy. Yes, I, I remember this. Right? Do you remember this? Yes. Right? Our sister Randy. Our sister Randy. Randy got swag now. I, you know, like, listen, that's all fine. Like, like if, if that's your <laughs> that's thing. not fine, it, bro. It, it, but it is what it is. But my thing is, who is going to actually be the voice for children, right. specifically our children, if your panels are bought off by people who are interested in keeping the system roughly in the same shape it's been in forever? Right. If we're talking politics and just getting political about this, this is supposed to be the representatives in the highest seats of power that we elect for black people in the country, I would think we would need to have a very honest conversation about education at this event. Right. Yeah, definitely. I Doesn't think like uh, we do. So Charles, what do you think? Um, I just wanted to go off what he was saying. I, I mean, honestly, and just to repeat the question, like bipartisanship, politics, education, black kids, right? And I, honest, I think it's some bullshit. I think the whole thing is some bullshit. And what I mean by that is, if you starting now, off- who sounds old? If you starting off- like, oh my God, this is some bullshit. I'm just letting you know, it's, <laughs> it is, right? Like if you, cause if you starting from the premise that we gotta make a deal versus the premise of how do I educate black kids at which we have not educated before, you can't fucking win from the gate. So we can all come. There's a child in the crowd, bro. We can all come. 
it, it's alcohol here too. So I mean, what's, you know what I'm saying? We're so, not gonna do this. That's a different, just, all that's I'm a different saying episode. Is, <laughs> we can take the boy out of Oakland. All, but listen, you can't man. Take the Oakland be, out the boy. This is my thing, right? Look, and I'm a square. Like, just say I, I am a square from where I come from. Like, you gotta understand. If you got an issue dealing with anybody on this panel, right? For the most part, mild mannered, law abiding, taxes paying. If we ruffle your feathers, but you say you really about urban education and educating our kids, if you can't deal with us then you for damn sure can't deal with kids in the middle of Detroit or Chicago or Oakland or San Francisco, the richest place in the country right away, but the worst place for a black boy to go to school. So if my if I just hurt some feelings by saying that, then you really ain't about what you say you about and you here for the party and not for the babies. So, I, you know, I can't take you serious because I, I feel like every time you get all loud and, and disruptive and whatnot, you're trying to shoot your shot. So I'm looking I, in the crowd to see you, who you're trying to shoot your I shot don't at. See, <laughs> See, check this out, Ray. First off, Salt Ray. Salt Ray. I'm going to need... They, that's what's up. It's just a... I, I don't know what's happening right now, but... Uh, it, sounds, it sounds like we're doing a show now on a train station. It's a, <laughs> the train hey, is coming up now. It's okay. You know what, though? But the eight black hands is grimy and it's nothing because apparently talking about educating black kids is a grimy topic. Apparently, you hurt feelings. We hurt more adult, adult feelings talking about what black kids need than them looking at how we've been educating black kids, man. And we, it's people too comfortable, man. Like, people are just way too comfortable because the kids that we talking about ain't going to be able to be in these rooms. The kids we talking about not getting spaces like this. It's going to be too much to live in D.C. or Oakland or New York or any of these places where there's a concentration of black people. So do me a favor. Take a guess. If you looked at the Congressional Black Caucus, right. how many, what percentage of the Congressional Black Caucus do you think have kids in their assigned public oh. district oh. who, if they don't have a million dollar mortgage, how many, what percentage of the, the, the Congressional Black Caucus patronizes these schools? I mean, if I, if I use Philly as an example, it'd be zero. Bro, I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna say 0.5%. So that might be one person. I feel like uh, Presley in uh, in Boston. I feel like her kids may be in in Boston public schools. Probably a magnet school. Yeah, let's maybe. just be real with each other. Yeah, I was, I was real, gonna right? say like fifteen percent. That's high. That's really high. Let's, let's, so you're saying that's high, which is very small. Fifteen percent is the overwhelming minority. But let's right. just, let's stick with that for a second now. Right. How would you feel as an elected official waking up every morning, looking yourself in the mirror, looking in the face, knowing where you're sending your kids off to school? Right. Into safe harbor. Right. The safe schools, good schools, whatever you want to call them. Right. While you are writing legislation or obstructing things that prevent the black masses from accessing schools other than these broken down ass schools mm -hmm. that somebody else has created just for ghetto children. Right. How would you feel about yourself every day as elected? I mean, but think about what I, how did I start my answer, right? When you start, cause they started from the wrong premise. If you start from the premise of how do I make a deal? That's how that happens. But if you start from the premise of, I actually care about black kids and this is something that I care about. Like you move differently. And I think that we can look at the results and tell how people start that thinking. So I would feel if I profess to love my people and to do all these other things, I would feel like I'm not doing my job. I would feel or powerless, like if I tried and I couldn't do it for whatever reason, but at the but I would also feel like a liar because I'm telling people different things. Reef, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I if I use Philly, for example, as, as I, I did, the politicians who are 
most rabidly against black families in poor neighborhoods having some kind of agency about how their children are educated, they've not had that experience. What they've had was, you know what, my parent got me into, like I've literally sat on panels with them and had debates with them where they said, well, my parent got me into a magnet school. And then what they may do, a lot of them put their kids in private schools, right? Or in these gentrified areas. But some of them, what they'll do is they'll put their child in a magnet school, which some of them are more private than the private schools, right? It's harder to get in some of these so-called magnet public schools. But wait a second. It's easier when you're a member of Congress. Oh, yeah. You call. You make a call. Regardless of what your your child um, can do, right? All of a sudden, you're in a magnet school. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You're in this magnet school, and then you look at that neighborhood school that's in your district, in your district, you're like your constituent, your secretary, matter of fact, probably kid probably goes to that school, that neighborhood school. So it's not even like like far distance. It's proximity to the people where you're giving out turkeys near Thanksgiving, but you can't give out a damn education. You can't support education, but you run around up and I'm giving out turkeys and I'm do- you hustling, you hustling because you look at you look at their their fund. Everybody want to talk about who's funding who. You look and see who's their funders. Right. And every time you see Randy's, you know, big W up on that joint every single time. Right. And so there's a reason for that. So they're like, you know what? I don't care about the marginalized. I don't care about what that school looks like. Philly got, you know, asbestos and lead and roaches and mice in some of these politicians districts. Why are you why are you on vacation, bro? Why aren't you like out there like doing it for the people? But you know what? This brings up a question. I just wonder, can you get elected in Philly? as a black candidate being pro-choice on schools. Can you get elected in Oakland? Can you yeah, get elected I think so. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Really? I think people choose In the Democratic to. Party? In the Democratic Party, yeah. I, th- I believe you can, but I don't, I don't know how many. Like, we, we got, Cory we got Booker, a, a, Cory Booker's a, a perfect, a perfect oh example. God. A perfect example of, of, of in, in his platform in Newark, which is predominantly Democratic, he ran on a school choice platform. But he and lost he the won. first time. Well, the first time, yeah. But then yeah. after that, he, he ran against candidates that were not pro-choice, and he won. But it wasn't yeah. just the education thing, though. I mean, he was going out and sweeping snow. I mean, he was doing a whole bunch of I mean, stuff. Did he I live mean, in the projects. Yeah, he like he did some government like a, cheese. It was yeah, it was, it was like a lot like of culture. Energy, right? Yeah. It was it was like yeah. I mean, he was a, yeah. he was a masterful politician, and which is what makes him most most disappointing right now. Uh, how he is like eating his own. To uh to to be at two percent in the polls right now, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, shout out to Andrew Yang. I'm just I'm just saying, right? Like, I mean, listen, man. We we and, and listen. I want to be very clear. This is not. This ain't shade. This ain't shade for black people that put their kids in private schools. No, absolutely. What we not. said. That's a, that's great. Like when Jalen said that. Like I'm glad that he said it. He was like, and I see the difference. Like if. Cause that's what people in our communities did, right? You knew the family that was down the street and then they got some bread and then like everybody else kid go to the public school around the corner and they kid go to Saint such and such. You know what I'm saying? Like an ain't Catholic, right? So I mean, the, what we I know Muslim is, kids that went to Catholic absolutely, school. Absolutely, right? Because parents say, you know what? Absolutely. I need you to have a better education than what the one around the absolutely. corner. Absolutely. What the, what the issue is, and I need y'all to understand, and I need people listening to like grab on this, is that if you got other options for your babies, why would you stop other black people that don't have the type of money or access you have from being able to make a choice? Because I don't care what you choose once you have the choice, but we not going to, in a system where kids can't read, we not taking no choices off the table. I, I actually do think is what I just said, though, is I don't think that you can easily get elected uh-huh. as a black Democrat 
in almost any urban area without kissing the ring of certain interests. Right. And those interests are people that have pensions who go into public schools every day. I don't That's know. How, I, I honestly don't know a path to winning. I don't know. If, right. if you and I are both running for an office in Boston right. and I'm pro-choice on schools and you're pro-district uh, schools, traditional schools, right. you got to leg up on me right away. Right. Right yeah. away. But, but what, can't what you just that? run as pro kid? Yes. That's what that's, I mean. I'm just, thinking one day I'm, I'm going to throw in the goal. As much as I hate politics, as much as I hate it, one day I'm thinking like, you know, what? I'm going in, I'm throwing in a gauntlet, I'm going on on a pro child basis. And you know what? Screw it. You know what? I might even go in and say, you know what? I'm only doing one damn turn because I want you to run me out of here because I'm going to like like I'm coming with my full blackness, my full pro child, my full community. Yeah. And that's how I'm doing. And so if I if I if I don't stay, but I do think I can win with it. I do think not me, but I think people if they're if they're about children, if they're about communities, that's the majority, right? So that's, like that's what will galvanize the base to actually participate in this so-called democratic process, right? So that's a great segue into my final question for you guys. It's like, what would legislation that was pro-student look like? And we're at Union Square in DC right now, so don't mind the background stuff. Yo, Yo, we are doing this. We, look, can. we are doing this podcast. We are chop suey, bro. Yes, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Like, like, I don't know if our mics cut across the room like this, though. Oh, but what's happening? This is a humbling experience. We at the, we at the back of the bus, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's another episode title, brother. What was your question? I'm sorry, he was so, doing a so mic my, check my, one too. My question, picky picky in the back. You know what I'm saying? Uh, freaky freaky. Um, my question was, what would legislation that was pro student look like? Well. You should answer before the the dance party starts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think two things. One, <laughs> equitable funding. Like Pennsylvania can't do that right now. Four percent of all the funding that comes through Pennsylvania schools is distributed equitably, right? And so they're like, you know, like absolutely like proven that even if you're white and poor, you're gonna get more money than a black district, right? And so that's across the state. So one that would be the second thing. There would be legislation like neighborhood schools. In, inside the, the poor neighborhoods would look like neighborhood schools in those affluent neighborhoods. Right. Like, it, you wouldn't be able to tell a difference. Like, nobody knows the inequity. Like, those black students who are either athletes or chess players or in a science club and have to compete with other students, uh, their peers across the state or across, you know, city lines. Nobody know, experiences the inequity, like, face-to-face and sees it. Like, like them because they see like you know what it's obvious y'all don't care anything about us right so, so you have been listening to another nah, I'm about to get my final thought in oh, I'm I'm not, sorry. I ain't worried I don't <laughs> it's whatever right he's just, he's just gonna cut everybody off right, right. alright that was you know, the but, I, but, I, but I'm gonna get this thought off because true kid true kid focused stuff I think that true kid focused legislation looks like when 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 you don't hit a threshold, you got to explain to the parents of that district why you didn't hit that threshold and what the plan is. Bad word again. All right, we got to wrap up. Shout out to events and to event planners that respect talent at all levels. Uh, <laughs> shout out to events that treat black hands like they aren't at the back of the bus. <laughs> shout out to events that don't make us feel like Chicken George from Roots. We the, <laughs> we the fi- eight black field hands today. Eight black, eight black field hands. hands. So, so, so we're going to end tonight and turn it over to the eight house hands. 
<laughs> Again, oh, thank shit. you for listening to the Eight Thank Black y'all, Hand man. Podcast. Y'all have a Appreciate good one. BC, thanks for having us. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands Podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.